eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, Buckeye fans, and welcome to a Cotton Bowl episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour here from, what's our hotel called, Steve? The Weston Irving, Texas Convention Center location. Uh, really neat area here. They've got uh, some bars and restaurants just near here. The Toyota Music Center is just south of here as well. Uh, kind of a, probably, probably a four or 5,000 seat music venue, you know, for some concerts and comedy shows and whatever it's a uh, it's kind of a neat thing and uh, everything's quiet here because the convention business kind of goes dead over the yeah. holidays the the convention center is over our shoulder here behind us this big building and there's nobody over there because they don't do conventions during the uh, the holidays but this is a perfect place for uh yeah. the bowl to put us up we're about 20 minutes west to the stadium and about 15 minutes east uh to the airport so it all works out good yeah easy peasy they shuttle us around and uh we get where we need to go again this is the bucknuts happy hour i'm patrick murphy this is steve hellwagon we are here in dallas 
for the game, which will take place tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. You may notice we have this Missouri Tigers logo behind us. That will be the Buckeyes opponent in the Cotton Bowl. Steve, we talked about this last week, but the the level of interest for you, for the fan base, everybody, since it was announced to now the day before the game, how much do you think that's changed? Well, I think that now that we know that so many of Ohio State's draft-eligible players are going to be playing in this game, I think that that has really kind of upped uh, the intensity level, I guess, a little bit, or the anticipation level, probably more accurate. When you you know tell people that you're going to get to see a Mecca, Buca, JT, I presume JT, Tui, yeah, Malo, don't know that for sure. Travion Henderson definitely is playing. So when you add that those stars back into this game, which were not – uh, definites, you know, when this thing was announced, uh, when, when they didn't get the help that they needed to get into the college football playoff on championship Saturday, there was a lot of trepidation that they're going to go play in a consolation bowl. Well, yeah. The neat thing about Ohio State, we were talking about this, uh, they've made the playoff five times in the last nine years. Uh, and the other four times they've won their bowl game, which was Notre Dame in 2015. Yep. Uh, Let's see, uh, USC here in 2017, and then uh, Washington, Utah. Washington and Utah in the two Rose Bowls. And the last time that they were in a non-championship game, playoff or BCS championship, was Clemson in the Orange Bowl in 20, after the 2013 season. They lost that game. So they've done pretty well in these consolation bowls. And everything you heard from Ohio State the entire month, from anybody that they made available was how seriously they were taking this, how important this was. Uh, today, Ryan Day and Eli Drinkwitz had their final press conference over at the stadium. And uh, he was asked, do you view this as a chance to get some young guys opportunity to play? And he said, number one, we're going back here to dip tomorrow. To, to Yeah, Pat asked this question. Number one, we are going to try and win the game. Yep. So that is taking precedence over getting seasoning for C.J. Hicks or whoever else. Insert name of promising young player who's never played at Ohio State that you want. Uh, now, some guys in this category are going to play out of necessity, and that's Carnell Tate, that's Brandon Ennis, and that is most certainly Devin Brown. Uh, but as I've said in any story I've written, the lightly used Devin Brown, <laughs> he's, he should be fresh other than the fact he did get hurt. Uh, he got folded up, you know, on that run at the goal line by Penn State. But uh, theoretically, he's healthy now and uh, going to give it uh, going to give it his best shot. Yeah, I asked Devin because there were pictures from Ohio State put out that he, and pictures throughout this week. He's still having that that ankle pretty heavily taped. I asked him about it. He said. It's just precautionary, good to go. So if we're taking uh, Devin at his word, he should be able to be mobile. He should be able to uh, you know, do all the things he needs to do. I forgot to do the most important thing here. We do have a beer on that. Well, we have a, a Truly. So the hospitality suite here, uh, they have bottles and then they have Trulies. And they weren't opening the Trulies, so I was able to sneak one out here. So do they have liquor in there? I didn't they, notice. No liquor. No liquor. No liquor. Okay. Uh, we, we will have liquor tonight at our media party, but okay. we'll get to that at the end. We'll talk about kind of our, our fun activities we've had and what we've got. Uh, we'll, we'll finish the show with that before we close things out. I'm just drinking water because I had a couple couple beers last Steve night. Steve will get back on the train later. But uh, 
you touched on on Devin Brown. Uh, we had a question here or a a suggestion from Ball Game 2021. Devin Brown's stat prediction for tomorrow. I think that's tough to say. I mean, like we depends seen Devin. how the game's going. I sure, mean, if, if they're behind, they're going to need him to throw the football. And uh, I would think he probably throws the ball thirty. 30 times. Yeah. And I would think he probably completes 19 or 20, uh, 17, 19, somewhere in that range would be a good percentage, almost two thirds, 65% is pretty good. And then uh, 220 yards, probably two touchdowns and one interception, just as a guess. I think uh, Missouri's really good with takeaways. I can tell you that. Uh, they are ninth or 10th in the country in turnover margin at plus nine uh, for the season. And they have a defensive back, uh, Chris, something hyphenated Abrams, yeah. who is, has four interceptions himself this year. He's a corner. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, we don't know how much Cade Stover is going to get to play in this game because he seems like he's banged up a little bit. And, uh so, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but uh, I, I look for Brown to, to do pretty well. And if he runs for 30 or 40 yards on top of that, that's, that's a pretty good day, you know, yeah. uh, you know, get, get another 130, 40 yards rushing out of Henderson and Hayden, you now over 400 yards for the game. And that's, you know, in the right, right realm, I would think. Yeah, it, I think it's tough to kind of predict what Devin Brown is going to look like just because we haven't seen so much of him. We've, we've heard a lot of things. We've seen little bits. We saw him during fall camp. Um, I think he's a different player than he was when he was out there in fall camp competing with Kyle McCord. But when we saw him in the games this year, it was for you know red, those red zone packages or it was when the game was pretty much in hand for the most part. So we haven't gotten to see this version of Devin Brown who's going to play from the start, I think. You know, if you're if you're going to make predictions, your numbers probably make a lot of sense there. Um, I do think you you talked to him uh, for they kind of broke up Devin Brown's interview time in two different rooms. Mm -hmm. You talked to him one, I talked to him the other. Like he does, and the word that keeps getting brought up, and I, I agree with this, is charisma. And I do think that that is something that yeah. not to not to take shots at Kyle McCord here. That's not what we're trying to do, but that he just was a different personality. And I do get the sense that these guys maybe gravitate a little bit more towards Devin Brown's personality and, and just kind of the fired up nature of him. Um, I've been really impressed with how he's handled this stuff since, since Kyle McCord transferred. What have you made of the times we've gotten to speak with him? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. He brings some moxie, some spunk, some energy, some excitement to the game. And again, I'm not going to disparage Comacord. I think Comacord was a was a pretty good Ohio State Buckeye. You know, on the whole, people can vilify him all they want. Uh, you know, I feel in a lot of ways he was scapegoated for a lot of the shortcomings of the people around him as much as anything else. But uh, yeah, I like uh, what I've seen and heard from Devin Brown. Everybody close to the situation seems to indicate that he's been practicing pretty well. Uh, Coach Day basically said he's had a – I don't know if he used the word great, but he said either used the word great or very good week of practice. Mm -hmm. I think he said he's had a great week of practice, and uh, that would indicate to you that he is preparing in the right way for this challenge. So, uh, you know, this, this is a tough one. I mean, you're going in into a, a stadium. It's not a home stadium, obviously, for either team. 
support probably going to be down the middle, 50-50, you yeah, would think. So. Missouri will probably have a lot of people who traveled to come to this game. Ohio State probably have support from Ohio people who live here in Texas, I would think. I don't think a lot of people from Ohio probably traveled down here for this consolation game. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a tough environment. It's going to be a noisy uh, environment. And, you know, is he going to hyperventilate under the under the heavy lights? You know, I mean, it, it, what's what's it going to be like for him? And uh, he says, I've been playing tackle football since I was seven years old. He says, I've just got to go out and play like I know that I'm capable. And I think that's a tremendous way to approach this because you can't make it a bigger deal than it is, but you can't underestimate yeah. what it's going to be either. And I think that uh, Missouri is a top 10 team for a reason. They won 10 games. Uh, they beat, they beat their share of teams. The only two teams that they didn't beat were LSU and Georgia, two teams that people, you know, were, thought were pretty good. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot there. And with Missouri, this is a program that hasn't had a winning season in five years. Right. They've been right around 500. And, uh, so having beaten a top 10 team in 10 years, back to 2013, they, they went on the road and beat Georgia. Imagine if you're Ohio State. I mean, I understand we're talking about two yeah. very different programs, but, like, that's absurd to think about. And, yeah. You know, Missouri is not the, the football blue bud of, of Ohio State. Well, that's State. how it was at Michigan for a while yeah. until Harbaugh finally got some wins under his belt. I mean, going back, you had to go back a decade to find where they'd beaten anybody who was any good because they were down for such a long period of time there with the Rich Rod and the – Hoke years, et cetera. But uh, yeah, just that'd be what it would be a, 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 a akin to. And, you know, so this is like Missouri's, you know, we say it all the time, this is Missouri's Super Bowl. Well, you know, go back this season. It was Rutgers Super Bowl. It was, you know, Michigan State was yep. eliminated from a bowl game. That was their Super Bowl. You know, I mean, it was up and down the line. You know, every, every time Ohio State gets everybody's best shot. And uh, this would really mean this would be the biggest win for Coach Eli Drinkwitz, no question. If he's able, Who just a few years ago was at Appalachian State. Yeah, yeah. which is just a you know quite Doug, a trajectory. Doug Shepard says Ohio State reported that yeah. they sold less than two thirds of their allotment. They were given thirteen thousand tickets, according to a uh, a spokesperson there, Jerry Emig, and so that means they sold between nine and 10,000 probably in that range. So that'll just tell you that, you know, if you wanted a ticket to this game, you could find them. And I think on the secondary market right now, it's like a $50 ticket, mm -hmm. which face value is probably 150. So some people have made investments in tickets and, you know, need to get, get out of that investment. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's, it, it'll be interesting to see what the crowd breakdown is. As I said last week, I expect Ohio state fans to show up, whether they bought the tickets through Ohio state or not. Um, as you said, 50-50, you know, maybe it's a little bit uh, in, in favor of Missouri in terms of the, the breakdown um, just because of what you were talking about and, and how big of a deal this game is. But I still think Ohio State fans that live in the area or are not able to watch the team in person as often as, as people that live in Ohio are, are going to show up to this game. And, and that probably will come more from the secondary market. But before we get off Devin Brown, you touched on his potential rushing numbers there. This is a different dynamic that we haven't really seen. And he's not, you know, uh, he's not going to beat you with, with juke moves and whatnot, but he's an effective runner. They haven't had a guy who was able or willing to do this type of rushing since Justin Fields. And I don't want to compare them because I don't think that's, that's a fair comparison. But how much do you think that that is something that this offense can use or needs 
when they haven't had, you know, we saw CJ Stroud do it against Georgia, uh, but Kyle McCord really didn't do it much at all. How, how much does that change what they can do when they have a quarterback who's not only able, but willing to run? Yeah, I think that that can't be understated because when it's third and seven, and we see it in these bowl games all the time, and the quarterback starts to roll out and he's got nothing but green grass in front of him, you know, a lot of these guys are able to tuck it and go and go get that first down. And what does that really mean? I mean, you're sustaining drives and you're holding on to the football and so many positive things. You're flipping field position eventually because you're able to sustain a drive. So to me, I, uh, I, you know, Ohio State hasn't had that kind of mobile quarterback in a few years. I mean, uh, Stroud just under penalty of death would not run. And uh, McCord just was not wired as a runner either. So, uh, yeah, to me, uh, I think that uh, Brown does bring that uh, that extra added uh, benefit. And also when you're down on the goal line as well, you can do a lot of different things with that goal line package that uh, that he was installed for. So. Yeah, so it was it was uh, it was all good. We've got uh, the veteran Tim May, the legendary it, Tim May, popping up behind here. Uh, he's on the phone, or else he'd pop in and say hello. Um, let's. I had at, a question for Tim May when he gets off the phone. Yeah, but. we'll bring him over if he walks back by. What? Let's let's uh, talk about the rest of this offense. We are ninety nine point nine percent sure that Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't going to play. Ryan Day still wouldn't confirm it today. Brian Hartline. Yesterday was jokingly asked, how do you know he's not going to play? Uh, we've been to practice. He's not practicing. We know how this is going to go. There's a better chance that our friend Kevin Noon tonight eats 150 pickle chips. You can find that over at Good Buckeye Lord. Huddle. Uh, that's going to be a spectacle than, than if Marvin plays. So other than that, uh, Cade Stover said he's going to play. He may not play as much as he usually does. It sounds like we get to see some of the younger or less experienced tight ends play a little bit more. Uh, what do you expect from this offense? Oh, it, obviously, Marv was the focal point all year. You've gotten time for guys like Emeka and Travion to get healthy. Travion, or Emeka, excuse me, will be the top dog at wide receiver. Uh, I assume you'll get some Dallin Hayden as well. How do you kind of see this offense looking here a month on from what we saw against Michigan? And oh, a different quarterback. Yeah, obviously. yeah. I Man, I... I think you got to keep it simple in the first quarter. I don't think you go out there and try and change the world or overwhelm Missouri with all the bells and whistles. I think that uh, you you start out trying to establish the run, and that's obviously something they had a difficult issue with against uh, Michigan. Henderson only ended up with 60 or 70 yards, whatever it was. They had that one drive where yeah. they really ran it down. Yeah, with Trey Onham had some success, and mm -hmm. obviously he's not here. Nope. So it's it's Henderson and it is uh, Dallin Hayden, who are are the guys that uh, you know are, are going to be in the mix for this game and and you know I want to see those guys get opportunities and uh, and and make some things happen running the football because that's going to make life so much easier for Devin Brown and hit you know if it's second and three you got the entire playbook that you can use if it's second and nine or second mm -hmm. and eleven. I mean, you've now told the defense what's coming. I mean, you know, you've got to drop back and and uh, and, and try and complete a pass, so and they can turn up the heat on you. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what it looks like. I think uh, you know it'll be a one-off. I think obviously, you know, they're going to play to his strengths and what he can do, and um, 
to me, it, it doesn't make any sense to try and reinvent the wheel or, or do do something outrageous in this game. I think uh, you 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 play to your strengths and you play the strengths of the people that you have. Yeah. And I just think they're going to keep it simple for Devin Brown and and you know give him some options. Uh, you know, if if Cade Stover can't play, that really does kind of hurt the offense a little bit because one, he's a great blocker, but two. Um, you know, great, great pass catcher has been so involved in the offense all season long. Does that open it up for G Scott or Jelani Thurman or somebody else at that tight end position to, to get some work? Uh, receivers, I'm interested to see what that rotation really does look like. Does Jaden Ballard finally get, you know, in his what third or fourth year, yep. finally get a chance to play some? I mean, meaningful stats. If he doesn't get to play in this game, you just wonder, would he ever, ever play at Ohio State? I don't know, but. Yeah, everyone's talking about Tate Ninnis and Xavier Johnson. You know, he deserves some snaps as well. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 very much uh, interested uh, to see uh, which of those young receivers get some run in this game. To me, with the receiver group, this is a chance. And like you said, wide receiver or Ryan Day said that they were going to first try and win the game. But you've recruited so well at that position, you should be able to open up the rotation, especially in a game like this that. Look, if you don't get it going offensively and you don't win the game, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I would like to see what Jaden Ballard can offer. Uh, I would like to see more of Carnell Tate. I'd like to see Brandon Innes summon the slot. We know what Emeka Ibuka is and have him in there when you need him for sure. Same with Xavier Johnson in his last game. But these are uh, these are guys that were really highly recruited and really talented. And Brian Hartline has talked very positively about all of them. So I would certainly like to see some more uh, of those guys get an opportunity to to kind of kickstart their career, similar to what we saw with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka a couple years ago in the Rose Bowl. Now, obviously, that was because of multiple opt-outs. But I think there's an opportunity for those guys. You mentioned Jelani Thurman. That's a guy that uh, Denzel Burke, who may be the most honest player I've ever spoken to in terms of uh, you know giving you uh, – we promoted, we promoted you guys for tonight. <laughs> the Buckeye Huddle guys just walked by, so we wanted to let them know about Noon's, Noon's situation. Um, but Denzel Burke tells it like it is, and he was asked about Jelani Thurman, and he said that he still thinks he has, has some work to do to, to kind of get to what they need in terms of uh, being a, a tight end that can contribute regularly. But it doesn't mean you couldn't use him some in a game like this, especially if Cade Stover is not going to play a ton the offensive line, Ryan Day was asked about the progression of that this year. Um, we've talked about it a lot. I think they've made progress. I think it's a better group than it yeah, was week one. Definitely better than, than it was. Uh, you know, he was only sacked once. Uh, the quarterback was only sacked once by Michigan. But the pressure was pretty con- constant, and I think it did impact McCord's play in that game. Sure. And obviously he got hit on that last play uh, where – uh, Donovan Jackson tripped over uh, a teammate's leg, Carson Hensman's, Carson Hensman's leg, and, and fell down and, and allowed uh, the rusher to come up right through and, and hit the quarterback. And, you know, the final, you know, whether they go on and score or not, we'll never know had that interception not happened. But uh, they were definitely going to be down about the 20, 20 yard line, you know, looking at, you know, three, four cracks to win the game. 
uh, right there at the end with a touchdown and an extra point, they would have won the game 31 to 30. How incredible would that have been? Yeah, think and about where I mean, change so many people's lives, the yeah. trajectory of so many people's lives. We're would in have Pennsylvania, changed. or we're in, uh, we're in Texas. Yeah, we'd then, be in California right now. Yep, so. and Kyle McCord would still be the quarterback, and the Buckeyes would probably be the favorites to win the national championship. Yep, crazy. That, that one they, did, they would have gone in probably as the one seed. Yep. So, you know, so many things happen, and uh. It, it's just, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It, it's Ohio State has been in this position, similar position, for a lot of these years where just one or two plays changes the trajectory of the whole season. And, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, other than 2014 where they broke through and won the national championship in recent vintage, it just it hasn't worked out for them. But, uh, you know, I think Ryan Day, when this game is over and, and he – has plenty of time, you know, after this game is over to retrace all the steps and think about what was good and what wasn't. I think that, that there is a, a, a tendency in our culture, you know, and, and with this, you know, I call it fan base, whatever at Ohio state that, you know, this wasn't good. This wasn't good. Special teams certainly wasn't all that great that, that the first thing they need to do is rip this up and rip that up and rip this up. And I think, Ryan Day has to kind of weigh that. What does he truly need to rip up? And what just needs a little bit of a refinement yeah. so that they can get it to the next level to where they can take advantage? I mean, and the whole paradigm, the whole landscape shifts right. next year where you don't have to be 12 and 0 to make this playoff. You can be 10 and 2 and probably still get into the playoff if you're Ohio State. A 10 and 2 Ohio State is going to get into the playoff ahead of you know, a 10 and two Missouri or a 10 and two Colorado, or, you know, I use that one, that, that one, the Dion star factor ESPN will use their one wild card on Colorado. If it, if it comes and I'm joking about that, that ESPN is involved with the selections. A lot of people, the Florida, the poor Florida state people blame poor Kirk Herb street and ESPN for keeping them out of the playoff. And it's like, you know, we were talking about this in the car the other day. I feel so bad for those people, particularly the coach and those players, because my God, you go twelve and zero. You you did everything, or thirteen and zero. You did everything that was set out in front of you that you were supposed to do, and you were not rewarded properly for it. And yet, I do not uh, begrudge what the committee did one bit, because if you put them in the playoff and they lose forty to ten, what was served? You know, because you know. They were miserably awful against Louisville, and they won the game. Yeah, you know that's not one of the top four teams in the country. I'm sorry to say, but you know next year they'd be certainly be in the playoff with that record. Uh, in fact, they would have been a top four seed uh, automatically uh, as a conference champion because I think the top four or five conference champions will be uh, will be given that yep. one through four. Yep. So, which is funny because like next year, you know it could be. USC is 11, is 10 and 2, and Ohio State's 11 and 1. And maybe just throwing this out there, they play each other. And, you know, then USC wins and they get in the playoff and they're 11 and 2 and they get a higher seed. You know what I mean? It, it could, there could be upsets in these conference championship games that put teams that maybe aren't top four in those bye weeks. So, yeah, it's going to be going to be real interesting the way it all works out. Yeah. 
Um, let's look over on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's probably the most interesting matchup here for Ohio State because Missouri certainly has some weapons, uh, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. We don't know about Tommy Eichenberg. The first day we were out at practice, he was out doing drills. The next day he was dressed but not doing drills. He obviously was banged up, didn't play the two out of the last three games, played against Michigan with that arm injury. Um, we've seen what Ohio State's defense looks like without him. Cody, <laughs> Cody Simon steps in and, and plays there. So we know what that would look like if, if Tommy's not there. It would be a shame because this is the last game of his college career, and obviously he'd like to be out there. Um, what do you think is the biggest matchup issue for Ohio State? Is it Luther Burden? Is it Cody Schrader, the running back? Is it the quarterback Brady Cook? Where, where do you see the, the biggest issue for the Buckeyes defensively? Um, I think, first of all, you got to get pressure on Brady Cook. He is a guy who will keep plays alive. He is a very willing runner with the football in his hands. Uh, I watched the Georgia game, and he converted a number of third downs with his uh, running ability. So I think that – you've got to have contain and pressure on him. That means don't let him escape the pocket to the outside and see all that green grass and the first down marker and go run to it because, uh, again, that's going to sustain drives for them. So that's one. Cody Schrader, I watched him, and you watch him on television, and you say, this guy isn't the most imposing running back. This isn't Barry Sanders or somebody who's just going to wow you with moves and whatever. He's just the most consistent six, seven yards a carry guy that you'll ever come across. And occasionally he will spark a big one, but uh, his big ones, you know, are, are not going to get out the gate. Typically, you know, you might track him down after 25 or 30 yards, but he is an outstanding running back, 1,400 yards on the season. He was first team all SEC, as leading was. Leading rusher in the SEC. Yeah, leading rusher in the, in the SEC, which says a lot for how uh, physical that conference is. For somebody to have 1,400 yards is pretty impressive. And then Burden, uh, to me, Ohio State's well-equipped there. I mean, they have a full house of outstanding corners with Burke. Igbenosan, Hancock, and uh, Jermaine Matthews. You got four guys across there who uh, can can will all probably take turns matching up with him. But I would think Burke will be on him quite a bit and take it as a personal challenge to try and hold Luther Burden down. And uh, Coach Drinkwitz talked about today how uh, Burden is a guy who is highly rated, who took the path less traveled, and instead of going to Alabama or uh, you know, Georgia Ohio State was recruiting him. Ohio State, wherever uh, he went to Missouri, and uh, you know he's really made a great name for himself in the Missouri annals. And he was obviously a, a All-American caliber player and All-SEC, Bolitnikoff semifinalist, etc. So, um, to me, I think Ohio State's well equipped for that matchup. That's not to say that Luther Burden, you know, at the end of the night could have seven catches for 100 yards, but if it's the right 100 yards and it's not a touchdown and it's not, you know, it, he gets 20 on third and 25, that's fine. He can have that, right. you know. So um, that's that's kind of how I view it. That um, the quarterback, the quarterback to me is the catalyst. A guy throws for 3,000 yards, that gets your attention pretty quickly. That tells you this guy was good in game one. He was good in game two. He was good in game three. He was good in all 12 games that they played. So uh, he's very consistent. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed watching him play. They've got an outstanding offense. And 
I think that they are going to test Ohio State's defense on all three levels, and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun game. I, I think it really will be. Yeah, um, I think the secondary will be interesting. I think you know, they move Luther Burden around quite a bit, but more often than not, he is in the slot, which I imagine will be a test for Jordan Hancock, player who, despite only really playing one season, did play some last year, but was hurt. Uh, is considering leaving after this game. Uh, I would be a little bit surprised if he doesn't come back for another year, but he spoke when we were talked to him in Columbus about, you know, he has a decision to make and you go out and have a really good game against a guy like Luther Burden. That'll grab some, some attention from NFL personnel. Um, so, so we'll see how that works out. Obviously still no Lathan Ransom either. I forgot to mention him earlier. You're going to have Sonny Styles back at the deeper safety position. Most of the game, uh, Josh Proctor's final game. He was uh, a guy we talked to this week. And, uh, you know, after six years of up and downs, a lot of downs, not as many ups, he finally became the player that they thought he could be this season. So, you know, they want to send him out on a positive note. The one thing that's really stood out to me, Steve, is the fact that so many of these defensive guys have declared that they are playing in this game and, want to kind of make amends for what happened in that Michigan game. I think a number of them are probably leaning on coming back. I think we'll find that out shortly after this game. But the fact that they want to go out and, you know, end this season on the right note, you've got that opportunity because of the the, the things you were talking about with the, the personnel on the other side of the ball. I think that speaks a lot about this team and, and kind of what they want to accomplish, especially after having a, a defense that struggled so much two, three years ago. Yeah, they've come so far in uh, in such a short period of time. And I think that uh, they see the opportunity, obviously, to finish the season off on a high note here. And I think that, uh, you know, we'll see as they get into it, uh, you know, tomorrow night, uh, we'll have a good feeling early on. If they're able to contain the quarterback and not let him convert third downs, able to uh, limit what Schrader can do running the football, uh, you know, don't, don't give him five, six yards on first down. He, you know, and they, and by and large, Ohio State was really good against the run this year. It was yeah. really just the second half of the Michigan game was the was the one glaring time I think all season long where they just got gashed and and, and didn't have an answer. So, uh, you know, I want to see how that front six rebounds and plays in this game, and you know, hope for the health of as many of those guys as possible. You got Cody Simon lined up and. Ready to go. If I will be back next year. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's coming seven. back. If Eichenberg can't play, then Cody Simon probably would be there. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I, I'm um, I'm 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 wide open on it. I I think that uh, again, uh, until we get into the game and see what the matchups really materialize, it's kind of hard to predict what you're going to see out of Ohio state. We don't know what they've practiced all month, you know, three weeks they've had since they found out that uh, common Accord wasn't going to play. So, you know, now, now we'll see, uh, see what, uh, what Devin Brown has for him. Yeah. And it'll be interesting. How do you feel like just, you know, we'll have score predictions on the site over on Bucknuts tomorrow, but how do you feel like this game plays out? What what is it? What does it look like if you're kind of putting a blueprint out there um, for for people before they they tune in? Yeah, well, Missouri. I mean, they played Georgia, number one Georgia on the road at Georgia, which has got to be about as tough a situation as you yeah. could 
possibly have in college football. Uh, so they've been in tough spots and played against the very, very best in the sport and, uh, you know, gave them a tough game. It was 30 to 21, I think was the final score. And I just think that, uh, you know, for, for me or anybody to assume, oh, they're going to be overwhelmed by what they see from Ohio State, I don't think you can say that. I think that, uh, you know, Missouri is is an outstanding team in their own right. And I think that uh, they're going to give Ohio State a tough challenge here tomorrow. And this game means the world to them, obviously. So Ohio State's got to match that. They have to match that intensity, that desire, and that determination uh, because I do believe Missouri is going to play like a team with its you know, hair on fire tomorrow. And Ohio State you know, just can't show up and say we're Ohio State. And at the same time, I'm like, you know, this is a game Ohio State, you know, as we said, since 2015, they've won all these non-playoff bowl games. And I just think that this is – this is the next one, and I think that uh, you know they've pl- they've played and beaten some pretty good teams, you know, along the way. I mean, they that USC team was supposed to be really good. Ohio State beat them twenty four to seven in that yeah. game. Uh, Notre Dame was supposed to be really good. They beat them like forty six to twenty eight or some screwball score like that. So, yeah, it was it was. I mean, I'm not going to say those were easy wins. Uh, certainly the uh, the two Rose Bowls were not easy. Uh, Ohio State had a big lead against Washington, almost frittered it away. In Utah, they were down two touchdowns most of the game and had to fight and scratch and claw to get back in it, you know, in the second half to, to win it on the field goal at the end. So, um, you know, to me, uh, I just want to see Ohio State play like it's capable and uh, put it all together. And obviously not having Marvin Harrison Jr. is a, huge blow for them. I mean, that he was such a big piece of this offense. You could write him down for six and 120 and one or two and six, 120 and 1.5 touchdowns <laughs> every week. I mean, when you know you've got that in your hip pocket and I mean, that just means the world. So yeah, yeah I, I look at it that uh, it's going to, it's going to be a fun game. I think people will get excited about it tomorrow with the anticipation that uh, you're going to get to see something fun tomorrow night. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's dive into a couple of the questions. We already answered some of them that we've had here. Um, Mike Schaefer asked, are commits or Texas area prospects allowed to attend the game as Ohio state guests? I believe they have to just buy tickets like everyone else. Yeah. They, they don't, there's no comp tickets for recruits at a bowl game. It's not a home game for either team. Uh, so, uh, maybe Ohio State can sell them tickets from their allotments so that they're in the Ohio State section. But otherwise, uh, we have seen James Powers, who's from San Antonio, or James Peepers, yes, from uh, San Antonio, uh, came up and uh, attended practice, was with uh, Tony Alford yesterday. So um, he's going yeah. to the game. He got his mother bought him tickets for Christmas. Oh, that's nice. Uh, is what I read somewhere. So, he will be there, but yeah, I think all the rest of, if anyone else wants to attend, they attend just like a, just like a, a regular fan. Step out one second. Go ahead. Um, Bucky hustle asks any surprise players you guys think play. I don't know if they'll play a ton of guys that we haven't already talked about because I do think that there is uh, intent, Steve, there's an outlet right below us. Oh, okay. Well, I got this plugging in his computer. Um, 
But I do think that there is a, a real focus on winning this game. I think that there is the, the incentive to go out on a positive note, as we mentioned. They've done that multiple times in, in these non-playoff, non-BCS championship games. And I think it helps the offseason. I think you, you go into the offseason with a good vibe and you, know, you, it, you, you don't want to have that bitter taste in your mouth, even if it is kind of a meaningless game. Um, and, you know, I don't think, you know, like last year, losing to Georgia was a motivational thing for Ohio State during the offseason. I don't think losing to Missouri has that kind of cachet. So I don't know if there'll be any surprise players that play. You could have some guys that have big games that maybe haven't before. We talked about some of those young receivers, um, you know, maybe a couple defensive guys, you know, if they rotate more on the defensive line or something along those lines. But I think it will be a lot of, um, you know, the, the main guys and, you know, with other guys kind of sprinkled in, um, you know, and, and receivers probably the most obvious place just because you're already down Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming. So that's kind of my thought on that. Um, asking here, Rusty Jesse, hand it to Hayden, has been something fans have asked for this year. It only happened in one game. If he gets 10 total touches, will you be surprised? I don't know if I'd be surprised. I could see them rotating him and, and Travion Smout. What do you think about that? Hmm. Oh, yeah, I think he gets more than 10. I think, I think you know, between catches and probably around 15, I think, catches and carries together, I think Henderson will be between 15 and 20. Uh, you know, there's no reason to run Henderson in the ground here. Right. Uh, if, uh, you know, to keep him fresh and to keep him producing for the fourth quarter, I think it makes sense to give Hayden some work in the second and third quarter, uh, you know, to, to – spell Travion a little bit, but, uh, you know, again, it's so impossible to predict how a game is going to go. I mean, yeah. you just, you just don't know until you get into it. I mean, they could go up 20 points. So they could go down 20 points. You just, you never know. I mean, so, um, you know, my inclination is we're talking about how's it going to go. I, I just think Ohio state, the cream's going to rise to the top in the fourth quarter. And, you know, it may be a close game for three quarters. I'm predicting 31, 23 is my score, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm open to discussion, I suppose. And again, in a lot of instances, just kind of feeling our way in the dark on this because you just don't know what the roles are going to look like. I mean, you just, you, you think, you think, but it's just, what is it really going to look like? So, yep, it'll be interesting. Um, Michael Wilson asks, will we see OSU hire new coaches or replace any coaches? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this on other shows. We won't go into it too much, um, and, and we'll have time to talk about this a lot after the game. But I would be very surprised if there is not at least one change on the staff. And, you know, I think you look at internally first – James Laurinaitis is a guy that they would love to have as a full-time assistant coach who can go out on the road and recruit. Um, you know, he's essentially the linebackers coach at this point under Jim Knowles, but his title because of the, the way things are with the NCAA rules is he's a, a graduate assistant. So I would not be surprised if they make room for James Laurinaitis to move into a full-time role. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if there are a couple coaches that depart uh, and, and new guys come in. I think that happens a lot of off seasons when things don't go perfectly the year before. So would not be surprised there, but we'll have plenty of time to talk the, about that after the game. Uh, Justin Eichinger said, 
if Brown plays bad, will Aaron Nolan be the starter next year? So much hype around him. Uh, there is quite a bit of hype. He's the number six quarterback in the 2024 recruiting class. I would be surprised, and, and you can weigh in on this too, if, if they go with a true freshman quarterback. Ryan Day has not done that. I think we, we talked about this a week or so ago. I think that the last true freshman to start the season was Arch Schleister. Yeah, 1978. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you've had your Braxton Millers, uh, guys like that who have come in and, and taken over the job, Terrell Pryor, uh, but they haven't started the season. I, I think that while Aaron Nolan is talented, uh, he still has a – oh, there's the man, Kevin Noon. We've had people talking about your uh, your endeavor tonight. And, yeah. What do we think? How many are you going to get? 150. All right, he says it, 150. Kevin Noon says 150. Um, I would be surprised if Aaron Nolan starts, especially given what they've got in Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz and the possibility of a transfer portal. What do you think? Think he could come in and win the job as a true freshman? That is so hard to do, yeah. as we've seen. I mean, uh, Braxton Miller and uh, Terrell Pryor both, you know, played the balance of their freshman season, right. but neither one of them started from the beginning. And, uh, you know, Ohio State's schedule next year does give you the chance to have a, a soft launch with Akron to open up and then a couple more rumdums after that. So uh, yeah, they're playing the Michigan non-conference schedule next year. Somehow Michigan and Ohio State's schedules got reversed because <laughs> Michigan's playing Texas. So, <clears throat> so that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it will be. Uh, obviously, there's there's some trips, you know, Big Ten games that uh, that you, you've got to get through. But to start the season, um, Jeremy Chaney says, first time heading to a Buckeye Bowl game. Enjoy that. Uh, they're fun. I uh, – I did not go to one until I started covering the team, but I think uh, I think it's a good time. I think anyone who has been to them will tell you that. So enjoy that. Um, Bobby McCormick asked, "Will TC Caffey get a carry?" Uh, he is. He was working as the third running back in practice this week. I do think it, if it came down to it, Xavier Johnson would probably get in the game. But they do like TC Caffey. That's a guy who could probably get a scholarship at. Uh, at you know a back school or something you know maybe even a a smaller big 10 school uh but you know i think you know if it gets to a point in the game where they're up big maybe they, they get him in there but uh we'll see on that one uh this was something i was going to ask steve here at the end but we'll we'll do it now um picks in the playoffs what, what how do you see the four team field kind of breaking down here with michigan alabama and texas washington yeah, I did a show with Kevin and Tony earlier today, and uh, I said I was leaning more toward Michigan uh, to win that game. Alabama, other than the Auburn game, you take that one out, that was kind of a clunker. Their last five or six games, they were awesome. So, including beating Georgia pretty handily, I, you know, the score may not have reflected it, but they, you know, they were ahead, you know, 10, 10 13 points a good part of the second half of that game. So, yeah, uh, I would I, I'm leaning Michigan. Those guys made a really good case for Alabama, just that the, this is a game that Alabama usually wins and Michigan usually loses. So you know we've seen in the playoffs the last two years they've laid an egg. So uh, have they you know moved to a new uh, new new place where they don't uh, don't do that? So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, and the other one, I'd say Texas. But Penix is awfully good, and he could put Washington on its back. 
that one could be like first team to 40 wins. And, you know, like one of those crazy Oklahoma, Texas, 55, 45 stupid games. Like the back 12 so, title this year. Washington, Oregon yeah. is a weird one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I on a, a thing I did early in the year before the season, I was asked for, a, you know, a non-traditional team to win the national championship outside of the, the, guy, the teams that have won it here recently. And I picked Texas. I thought maybe with with Quinn Ewers, if he kind of came into his own, then then they'd have a real shot. They, you know, obviously have have gotten better. I don't they I they weren't Texas's back yet, but so I will stick with that pick. Um, you know, I in the Michigan side of things, Michigan Alabama, it's hard to pick against an Alabama coached by Nick Saban in the playoff because they usually win, like you were saying, in those situations. Michigan has been very good. Um, I don't know if that offense will be able to move the ball uh, as much as they'll need to. So it would not surprise me if you get a Texas-Alabama rematch from – what year was that with Colt McCoy when he got hurt? Like 2010, yeah, 2011, yeah. somewhere I, around there. That would be my pick. And Yakoff in there asked if I went to the 1984 yeah. Rose Bowl. No, my first bowl game experience with Ohio State was in 1994. Uh, they played Alabama. That was the first game that I covered as editor of Buckeye Sports Bulletin replaced Mark Ray at the end of the 1994 regular season. And my first game on the job was January 1st, 1995 against Alabama. Alabama scored a touchdown in the last three minutes to win the game, like 24-17, something like that. Then I had the Tennessee one the next year with Peyton Manning. It poured down rain in uh, Orlando uh, for, you know, 48 hours leading (laughs) into that game. I mean, the last time there was a rainstorm like that, Noah built himself an ark. I mean, that I'm serious. That's how much it rained leading into that game. So those were the first two that I went to. And then the Rose Bowl was the, the 1997 Rose Bowl, the 96 season was my third one. And uh, I've been at all of them ever since then. I don't know the exact number, but that's like th- almost 30 years with there was uh, what? two years where they didn't go to a bowl 99 they didn't go to a bowl they were six and six didn't go to a bowl and then obviously the year they were on probation in 2012 they didn't go to a bowl so out of those uh 29 years that i've been doing this full time this is the 27th year i've gone to a bowl and then obviously they've had uh twice where they won a bowl game and then got to go on to the national championship game uh the Alabama 14 and 20. Yeah. 14 and 20. Yeah. Alabama was involved in both of them. Yeah. Um, And then real quick, Rusty Jesse asks, are the coaches recruiting from Texas this week or focused solely on the bowl? Uh, They cannot be out on the road recruiting right now. It's, it's a dead period after. uh, I mean, I think they can welcome prospects to come and. Yeah. They can come watch practice practice, and and things like that, but they can't actively be out recruiting. They can always be on the phone, obviously. And I'm sure they've, they've done that. Uh, and Will Star, Steve, your your guy here. Let's go Browns. Big one tonight. I know. I know. I am uh, going to walk over here to the uh, yard house. I went in there last night for uh, a late night pizza, and they said that they will have the game on Amazon Prime tonight. Hey, Tim, come over here a second. Show Tim May here. Uh, there he is. Let's wrap it up, boys. On three, that's where you're at the, these yeah, days. On three, uh, on three, three. Let them run A question I had for you. We both covered Joe Germain back in the 90s. Yes, we did. Did anybody have a thought to call Joe Germain about Devin Brown? I did. I couldn't get a hold of him. Couldn't I, get a hold of Joe Germain. On, I think it was on some kind of vacation or okay. sabbatical or something. You know, yeah. the reason uh, 
the reason Devin Brown didn't play for him his senior year in high school, of course, is because Joe got his job or got the head coaching job at his alma mater. Oh, so in, in Arizona, there. he would have had to move schools to go be with. Yeah, Joe. so he, you know, some people uh, in Devin Brown's life decided that uh, Corner Canyon High School, one of the powers of Utah, yeah, high school football would be a great place for him to go. Yeah, and I asked Devin about it, you know, yesterday, and it's kind of like now you kind of roll into a situation where you haven't been there or yeah. you're not the you're not the starter, and people have to accept you. You know, yeah, yeah. kind of a similar situation now, but yeah, uh, Joe Germain. I've, I've talked about Joe, to Joe Germain about him several years ago when Devin committed to Ohio State. And, of course, I did a podcast with Devin mm-hmm. before he ever showed up at Ohio State just about the way he embraced the idea of the competition. I mean, that was a Ohio State quarterback room that had Quinn Ewers in it. At that yeah, point. yeah. And he came here despite that. And right. He had been committed to USC. So I know there's more than you wanted. But no, well, I'm very impressed with this what, young man. Is what oh, no doubt. No and doubt. Then one of the main reasons is because his dad's a private pilot. <laughs> ah, there you go. Well, 25 years ago this week, uh, almost to the day, Joe would have started against Texas A&M in the 1999 uh, Sugar Bowl, his only start in a bowl game. Uh, he definitely was the hero of the Rose Bowl the two years prior, and then they got thumped by Florida State. Of course, there was the year before against Florida State when he, uh, yeah. when he went into that game. And he then, got killed. And then uh, Joe Jermaine's dad came down out of the stands and wanted to beat up Tyson Walter for oh, the tackle at Ohio State because good Andre – Andre Wadsworth looked like he was taking the beach at Normandy. I mean, <laughs> I mean that, that guy they had, had a, a day. Game. Those was, guys had a day. Yeah, Matt Keller, remember him trying to block Andre Wadsworth? Well, that was a mismatch from the word go. I yeah. mean, Ohio State was ninth. Two great losses sure. to Michigan and Penn State, but Florida State was one of the best oh, yeah. teams in the country. They were on so. the rise to a uh, yeah. next year. Uh, yeah, the next year uh, uh, taking on Tennessee for the first BCS championship yeah. game. But yeah, Ohio State was right there. Just think about it, man. If if there had been a fourteen playoff back then, we Covering Ohio State would have covered two, of them, two, of, two out of three there, 96 and 98. 96 and 98, for but, sure. They would have been at both of them. Yeah. Anyway. And, and others after that, too. Is that all you need for me? Yeah, I just thought. Contributor? What do I, I figured, get for this? I knew you had a relationship. A gift? We'll get you a beer tonight. Well, I knew you had a relationship with Joe Germain from the years. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just wondered if you had. Nothing not to like about Joe Germain. Oh, my God. I even told Devin Brown this story about Joe uh, one time was standing out there in the field. He would. He'd come in and turn on the lights in the way he's athletic. Yeah. The way the legend has it. Kind of like what Marvin does. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. just throw footballs. Yeah. Because I, I firmly believe that uh, most routes Joe could have thrown blindfolded because <laughs> he knew exactly where he was going. Yeah. You know? Until you know, Andre Wadsworth was knocking him silly. People time. ask me, who's your favorite Ohio State athlete of all time? And I'll say, well, you know, guys that you deal with, you know, yeah. not necessarily as a fan. I go, Joe Germain, he's up there. Orlando Pace is up there. Eddie George is, Eddie up, George there. is up there. I yeah. mean, all those guys. And that's from my first few years. I was I was uh, spoiled the first few years I got into this. Because yeah. I was mostly a basketball guy and got into it uh, in the mid-'90s full-time. And yeah. it was – yeah. Oh, yeah, we were some great those guys. Those were the glory times. Great guys I mean, have come and gone. They still are, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of the greatest individuals. Exactly. Forget exactly. about the player I've ever exactly. dealt with. I think you agree with me on that. No doubt. No anyway, doubt. Anyway, hey. Thanks for nice stopping by. Yeah, appreciate you taking a minute. There you go. Two oh, veterans. <laughs> two veterans. Of well, it the couldn't beat. hurt. <laughs> two veterans of the Ohio State beat right there. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to get back to work. Uh, we've got to finish our work before we have our media party tonight where we're going to make Steve get back on the alcohol horse. Duh. Uh, after, after I we, don't need it, that's we, for sure. No, neither of us need it. We both got, both got a little – it was a little wild last night. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Just a lot of drinks between uh, people on the beat. I don't know if there's a thought that 
uh, this Ohio State beat because we compete for for viewership and whatnot. But we all get along pretty well when we're on these trips. And uh, last night was an example of that with the good group of us uh, hanging out here in the hospitality suite and then going over to the bar across the street. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Steve, thanks for hanging with yep. me for this full show. We've got more stuff up on the site. Uh, Steve is working on getting the video from the head coaching press conference as we were recording this. So that'll be up there soon. And there'll be plenty more. If you haven't caught a lot of our stuff, um, you know, Dave Biddle's been contributing from back home as well. So there's plenty on Bucknuts and there will be plenty of more before the game, after the game, and as we head into the offseason. So thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Patrick Murphy, Steve Hellagen with Bucknuts and 24-7 Sports. Cheers. hero arrives i am ready is there anyone stronger no tougher no funnier i do not make jokes i make warriors knuckles now streaming only on paramount plus yes